0: doesn't like a good party. I mean, I love to get together with, with people. I, I, am, I am an extrovert by nature. And so if there, you know, I, I'm like the, the human version of a golden retriever. If there are people, I like being around where people are at. And so, I mean, it, it can be birthdays, anniversaries. It could be a, a team victory. It could be a promotion. What, whatever needs to be celebrated, I am down for the celebration. I love getting together with people. One of my favorite days of the year is when we have our Christmas open house. When, when, when many of you come by the house and, and we just get to share a few hours together, uh, eating food that a has prepared as we uh, celebrate Christmas and just uh, the, the, the familiness of the season. We just get to be together and, and, and you know, it, it's funny just hearing the buzz in the house all day long you know sometimes it starts even beforehand just with the five of us as we're getting the final preparations all put together and then as people come and and then there's just a swell because you know Wayne's always there like right before everything starts to happen and then and then everybody just starts to come and the house is is full and there's conversations in in the kitchen in the dining room in the living room you know you hear the kids uh, nearly destroying the basement and whatever's going on and and there's just this buzz and there's this life in the house And there's something about that day, one of the things I love best about that day is how our separate worlds tend to come together. Yeah, and, and, and we've had a number of different open houses. We've had uh, friends of ours from, uh, from our sports teams. From, we've had neighbors. We've had uh, other friends in our community. We've had all of you guys gather together. And so we have all these different sectors of, of our life getting together in one place. And sometimes there's people from that, that, that know us from one place who know you guys from another place. And all of a sudden there's these bridges and connections and conversations that happen. I think that's how... I think that's how we're supposed to be. I think that's how our life ought to look. That all of a sudden there are times when, when, when our worlds ought to collide. There are times when, when, when we ought to, 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 to interact with not just our Christian people who, who have the same faith belief as us, but also those who we share life with the other times during our week. Certainly, we ought to make time to come together as believers. We set aside this hour every Sunday to gather together in this place for this time, to to, to share in uh, songs of worship, to to prepare our hearts, to give us a a, a picture of the the grandeur and the beauty and glory of God. We remember as we come around the table, as we hold in our hands a piece of bread and a cup of juice, a sacrifice that was made for us. Come together for encouragement as we open up the word, be in in one of our our, our Bible study classes on, on Sunday morning or Sunday evening or as we gather together to open up the Bible during our actual corporate worship. The life does not consist only of this time together. This ought not be the only time we think about and and, and interact with the mission of God for our life. I mean, there's 167 other hours of our week that we have to fill, and how we fill those and who we fill them with, that tells us, that's proof, if we are living on mission with God. And that's what this series has been about. We've been talking about how uh, we can look at the the life and ministry of Jesus and and what are the the principles and how did he live his life and how did he uh, interact with those around him? What were the things that he said, what were the things that he did to bring, bring people who are far from God into a relationship with him? How did he interact with those who uh, seemingly were going their own way, were doing their own thing? But then through teaching and through interactions, we see their lives completely
1: changed. Completely changed. Turned like on a dime. When we begin to look at the life and ministry of Jesus, we ought to
0: begin to apply those same principles, those same habits. Uh, over the last few weeks, we've looked how, how Jesus, uh, uh, on a very, seemingly very busy day as he was going through the city, he stopped and had his Zoom lens zoom in on two daughters of God. Both lives, uh, both of their lives had uh, been filled with pain and with heartache, with physical ailments that kept them from living life to the fullest. One was but a 12-year-old girl on the brink of death, <clears throat> and one woman who had suffered an ailment for 12 years and couldn't find any help from doctors. And as as Jesus stopped on that day to interact with both of these daughters of his, he provided help and healing, and their lives were completely changed. We we looked at how God, uh, before he wants to do his work through us, often has to stop and do some work in us. As we come to him, uh,
1: we, we, we can come to him broken in a mess. But he takes our brokenness and turns it into something beautiful. And he begins
0: to use us to, to interact with those around us, to, to show others the power of his grace. We looked how God wants to begin to work through us. And as he works through us, it's not just for our benefit, but it's also uh, for the advancement of his mission. The advancement of his kingdom means we have to go to those who are far from God. And sometimes it means stepping out of our comfort zone. Sometimes it means stepping into a place, into a world that we don't quite feel familiar with, we don't quite feel comfortable with. But it's, it's not just so, it's not helpful just for us to feel compassion. That compassion must lead us to action. It must be more than a feeling. It must be expressed through our hands and our feet and our words. As we go to other places, we interact with people who, are in, who, are in different ty- who live different types of lives than us. We ought to still share with them the very hope and compassion God has displayed and shown for us. It must be more than a feeling. It must lead us to action. And that action may lead us face to face with people who are sinners. Right. Maybe like, like the worst sinners of all, like, like, like so bad that we might go, man, how could God love someone like them? In the first century, there, there, there are those who, who did unthinkable things. We sometimes like, oh, well, our, our world is worse. We have people who do this and that. There were people who did bad things back then, yet God still, Jesus still,
1: his love still went out for them. And we see that through the life of Jesus that we shouldn't be judgmental. We're not called to
0: throw stones. We're called to throw life preservers. We're called to extend hope. We're called to extend
1: grace and help them leave their life of sin. So they don't need us to point out their sin in, in their life.
0: They don't need us to point out those areas where we disagree with them. What they need is they need us to show them the love and the compassion of God and extend to him and offer of forgiveness. And as we draw them and bring them closer to Jesus, that God will do his work in their life to change those areas that we see that are wrong. We're not called to be the judgmental ones. We're called to extend grace and let God, through his spirit, do his work in them as he's using his spirit to do his work in us.
1: And to build that type of relationship, uh, to, to, to extend that kind of offer, We just might need to throw a good party. Like I said, who doesn't like a party? Well,
0: we're going to see some people today who, well, maybe they weren't the party type because they didn't seem to like a party. But guess who does? Jesus. So if you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. What we've seen here as, as we in, in, encounter uh, where Matthew has us at, Jesus has been traveling through around the area of Capernaum. And as he's been traveling around uh, the lake, he's been, he's been uh, doing, uh, uh, he's been healing people, he's been teaching them, he's been interacting with, with all kinds of people, b- both great and small. And as he's been passing through the city, he, he keeps passing by the same spot. You know those people that you see in you see in, uh, on a daily basis, right? You don't really know, you don't necessarily know who they are, but you, you know them and, and eventually you've passed each other enough that you kind of do the, you know, little, little head nod, maybe a polite wave, maybe a smile. Like you, you know that I, I know who you are, but I don't know who you are. And so maybe that's, maybe that's where Jesus and Matthew are at. They're, they're, they're crossing paths and they kind of like, I, I see you. I know you. We see each other enough that I kind of know who you are. You kind of know who I am, but we don't know. We don't really know each other. And maybe it was just the divine sense of timing that those other days weren't ripe, But all of a sudden, this day, at this time, this passing, all those collective silent acknowledgments, all those brief moments would come due in a single pregnant invitation of follow me. Jesus walking through, he's he's going about his day and he comes to Matthew's, he passes Matthew's tax collector's booth and he says, follow me. Follow me. And you can imagine the, the other disciples are with him. There's uh, the four fisherman brothers, right? Peter, Andrew, James, and John. You have Philip and Nathaniel. Those are the ones we kind of imagine are with Jesus at this time. And as they're passing by the tax collector's booth,
1: Jesus sees Matthew and says, follow me. Follow me. And those guys are like, who did he say that to? And, and, and does he know who this
0: guy is? Like, what did he say? He said, "He said, follow me to who?" He said, "Follow me to, Ma- to, to, to the text collector, to him." Doesn't he know that he works for the enemy? He is—he's yeah—he looks like one of us, but he's really one of them.
1: Are you sure that you asked the right guy? Are you sure you asked the right guy to follow? I mean, they're probably up in arms, going, "Jesus, he is—he he, certainly not him." But what's crazier than the request? is the response. Right? Yeah. I mean, if if the fishermen, you know, Peter, Andrew, James, and John,
0: if this following Jesus thing didn't work out, they could always go back to the family business. In fact, many of them do after the resurrection, they go back fishing. They say, Hey, well, this is what we know. We don't know what the future holds, but we understand fishing. So they go back and they start fishing and Jesus meets them on the beach. They go back to fishing. But Matthew I mean, while the fishermen, they had a nice middle-class job because of the importance of fish and the local diet. Matthew's job was even better, right? I mean, who doesn't like more money than the government? And, and Matthew was able to collect taxes at will. I mean, their taxes were exorbitant. And Matthew was able to collect them as he wanted. Whatever the government wanted, he could get. And all this to keep the cogs of the machine of the Roman Empire greased.
1: Jesus comes up to him. He sees him in his tax collector's booth and says, follow me. And Matthew leaves
0: immediately. Now, I'm not sure if it's the same sort of immediately as the, 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 the fishermen leaving their nets in the boat and dropping and going. Now, I'm pretty sure by, by leaving immediately meant that Matthew closed his booth. He probably had to go and settle his accounts with his supervisor, right? Because Rome's got to get theirs. Because if not, the entire time that Matthew is serving Jesus, Rome would be after the taxes that he collected that he didn't turn in. So he probably closed up his shop. He had to go uh, close his books with his supervisor.
1: And then he followed. If the fishermen leaving their nets seemed dramatic, this one is certainly more final. Like I said, the fishermen could always go back. But Matt for Matthew... There is no going back. I mean, often, the way you
0: leave a job is as important as what you did while you were on the job to determine if you would ever get invited back. If you ever need a job again in that location, uh, how you left is just as important as what you did while you were there. And if you leave poorly, there is certainly no way you're gonna get, you would get a job with them again. And so Matthew, in the abruptness of his departure, is likely burning any bridge to return to tax collecting if this following Jesus gig doesn't work.
1: So you leave your job. You go in tomorrow morning and you say, boss, I'm out. What's the first thing you do? You brush up your resume, get that all clean and tidy up, ready to send out.
0: Uh, Maybe you go on a vacation. Maybe you've been overworked and you're you're like, man, I just need a break. I need to get away from here. Maybe you begin to lamp a few job interviews. Maybe you're trying to get the next thing in place. Matthew quits his job, and the first thing he does is throw a party. He throws a party. He gets all of his people together. He's left his old job. He already has a new job, a new position in place. He is now a disciple of Jesus. And so maybe he knows that because he's seen Jesus come to town, leave town, come to town, leave. He's like, maybe, you know, he, maybe he understands that for the foreseeable future, he's going to be kind of itinerant. He's going to be here a little bit, there a little bit. And so he, he wants one more opportunity to get all of his friends together in one place. And so he invites everyone he knows, everyone who likes him. And so that becomes a very, very short list for a tax collector in the first century. He invites tax collectors and people called sinners. Now, now who these sinners are, we don't know. I mean, it could be the first century mob. They, they, they could be people who do truly horrible things. Because people have done truly horrible things for the entirety of, uh, of history. I mean, just read uh, Genesis uh, 3, 4, 5, and 6, right? I mean, there's a reason why all of a sudden God goes, we have to have this flood to destroy it, because humans are pretty good at
1: doing pretty horrible things to each other. Maybe they really weren't bad people. Maybe they just were the type of people that didn't do the things that the
0: religious leaders wanted them to do, and so... The religious leaders had this standard that these people were sinning people who sin, and so why would we want to associate ourselves with them? These sinners could have done objectionable things, but they could have just maybe not lived up to the standard and the ordinances of the Pharisees. So they weren't
1: necessarily bad people, they just didn't do things the right way. Who else is there at the party? You got tax collectors, you got sinners,
0: you got Matthew, you have Jesus and his disciples. They're all gathered together. They're, 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 they're at this dinner party. They're, they're enjoying themselves. They're having a good time. You know, Matthew's in, introducing uh, his old friends to his new friends. Maybe, maybe they'd seen each other around town, and maybe all of a sudden they're being put names and faces to people that they've interacted with through business or just in the market, and they've seen one another. And now they get to know them. Jesus hasn't necessarily been teaching for all that long, but he has already drawn the attention of the religious establishment. And so they begin to listen to what he teaches, and they, they begin to, to watch his actions. <clears throat> and whether the Pharisees are actually present, and they kind of just walk by and they're just checking because maybe there's a noise complaint coming from Matthew's house that night. Maybe they're just having a little bit too much fun. And so they, they, maybe they stopped by or maybe they heard about it. And so they begin to ask questions later.
1: But they begin their investigation by interrogating Jesus', Jesus disciples. And they say, why, why did your teacher eat with these tax collectors and sinners? Well, why does he meet with these type of people?
0: I mean, for us, we might just think, hey, my friend was having this dinner party. I thought it was going to be a good time, and so I'm just going to go. We, we don't necessarily think about the other company that might be there. You know, we don't necessarily walk in and go, man, there's, there's a really bad guy and there's a bad guy. I'm not going to, we, we may choose to leave, but we may go, it's, hey, maybe I just need, maybe I need to get to him. Maybe he's just misunderstood. That's not how it was in the fa- first century. That's not how it was in the first century. The, 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 the Pharisees, they only ate, they only uh, shared meals with people who they completely trusted. See, for back then, it, uh, table fellowship, gathering around a table and sharing a meal, meant that you not only agreed with them and accepted them, but you thought they were perfectly okay. You, like, you, you,
1: you condoned everything about them. And so the Pharisees are like, you, know, you condone the Romans' tax code against us? Obviously you do, you're eating with this tax collector. You, you agree
0: with that person's lifestyle? You must, you're eating with them. The disciples, like, they come to the disciples, why, why did your uh, uh, teacher eat with these tax collectors and sinners? See, the Pharisees, they had standards. and They didn't want, other, they didn't want to be seen as accepting those who may be less than them. And they assumed that if
1: Jesus is the teacher that he seems to be, that he ought to know better and hang out with those kinds of people. And Jesus hears
0: about this, right? Whether it happens right there in that moment, whether it came somewhere else, maybe he overheard the conversation. He overhears them and he, he looks at
1: the Pharisees. And he's like, is it the healthy? Can you a doctor? Or is it the sick? I mean, in one clear, concise
0: statement, we realize that Jesus is unlike anybody else they've ever heard of. I mean, you don't have to have your, your stuff straight. You don't have to have your stuff all together before coming to him. Instead, he lowers himself. He, he, he brings himself down to our level. And we do not begin to understand how radical Jesus' concept of forgiveness is. Uh, like, like, like the Jews of the first century, sometimes we have clear boundaries, don't we? We have boundaries by those who write, like, these people are in and these people
1: are out. And we, we, we look at someone and go, oh, you know, they may, they may say, you know, thanks be to Jesus, but man, just, you know, we begin to like, select them out because we see other things.
0: Or we assume certain people are in just because of certain, certain uh, decisions that they make. We select people and we select people. We're, we're not too dissimilar from the Jews of the first century. And you know, we, we look at... We'll look at the you know for for the Jews and primarily the the, the Pharisees. It was about ritual cleanliness. Do, do they wash their hands? Do they say their prayers? Because God and germs are everywhere, right? I mean, we we you know we we we, we wash our hands. You know, they, they, hey, you, you, you're not washing your hands correctly before you eat dinner. Yeah, they they, they had like a, a, a correct way. Yeah, you know you know a, a friend of mine is, uh, just recently retired as uh, like a health inspector for. Uh, the, for, for a regional grocery store chain in the Southeast. And uh, there is an actual video of him uh, in their training about the proper way to wash hands. And you get, this, you know, get your hands wet, you get the soap on, and you sing happy birthday to yourself, and you rinse, it, you rinse off, and you, you dry your hands. And like, like the Pharisees had a specific way of washing your hands. Like, like if, if you would wash your hands and like, put your hands up like this, you would have to like wash your hands again because the water would drip down and and, and and who knows if that water was still dirty? And so you just defiled your whole arm. And so they would they would they would wash their hands away. The water would drip Just crazy stuff like that. Like, like, like how you wash your hands determined if you were clean or unclean. They had certain standards, certain things that they would they would do. And how you said your prayers. Did you what, what kinds of works of righteousness what did you do? See, Jesus' forgiveness extends far beyond those who are doing the right things, but just mess up a little bit. See, it's not just that the, Jesus, uh, it's not just for, for those who love Jesus but cuss a little. It's not just for those who are, who, are, who are members or vote for the right political party. It's not just for those who might have the right sexual orientation. Those of a different ethnic background, economic level, zip code, or generation. There is no difference on this earth that keeps God, God's love from being available to them. God meets us where we are at. He doesn't expect us to get our life straight
1: before we come to him. As we come to him, he straightens out our life. Jesus is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. A
0: healthy, person, you know, a healthy person can go get their annual checkup whenever, right? I mean, if you are going in for an annual checkup, it, it, it doesn't matter whether you have it tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But if you're sick, you need a doctor yesterday, right? You need a doctor now. He goes, is it the, is it the healthy you need a sick? Or the, or, or the, or is it the healthy you need a doctor or the sick? Clearly, it's the sick. They're the ones who need it right now. He goes, I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Why? Because back then, the righteous that Jesus is talking about, the righteous people that Jesus is talking about, are those who were living their life, they were going through the motions of worship in a way that they were saying, I don't need God. I'm doing fine on my own. I can achieve a community with God. I can achieve a relationship with God all on my own. I don't need any." And Jesus like, if you're fine on your own, you don't need me.
1: But I have come to call sinners. Those who realize they have no hope outside of me. Those who realize
0: they have no hope, no expectation of goodness without the grace and touch of God. I've not not come to call the righteous. I've come to call sinners to repentance. He says, I'm not come to those who think that they can earn their way,
1: who don't think that they need a savior, but those who have no other options but me. And why does this matter to us? Why does this matter to us? Take a moment. Maybe sit there for a moment and consider your circle of friends. Those who are closest to you, those who
0: you have influence with, those those you hang out with.
1: Now, how many of them actively go to church somewhere. None of them, some of them, all of them.
0: We we might think that by only having Christian friends uh, 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 and associating with people who are good, it insulates us from the evil around us. And that is somewhat true.
1: But that's pharisaical thinking. That's living just like the Pharisees. I'm not saying it's bad to have friends who
0: are believers, but if all of our friends comprise those of those who go to church, whether it's the same church or a different church, while it's good for encouragement and support,
1: it's not so good at accomplishing the mission of God in our life and through our life. See, Matthew leaves his job. He throws a party. He's beginning, he's about to set out to be a disciple of Jesus, going wherever Jesus
0: goes. And before he leaves, he, the first thing he wants to do is get all of his friends as close to Jesus as possible.
1: And like Matthew, we must always have people in our life who need to know about Jesus. I mean, if you can't think of people in your life who do not have a relationship with Jesus,
0: who need to know about him, then it's probably time for us to broaden our circle.
1: It's part of the reason why I coach my boys' sports teams. Part of the reason why I'm on the board of the Hospice of Washington County.
0: It's why I go to the Y to play basketball and to work out. It's not because I like getting up at five in the morning. Because I am not a morning person. But that's when they meet. That's when we play. It's the reason why I work one morning a week from a restaurant downtown just to be present. It's the reason why I'm one of the uh, adult leaders of the youth for Christ group at Barbara Ingram school Because the more we put ourselves in certain positions, the more we uh, uh, associate with the, with with others and, and, uh, and other circles,
1: the more they see us, the more we get to have opportunities to have conversations with them. We get to introduce them. We get to invite them to come and experience Jesus.
0: See, the more we show up, the more we build relationships with others, the more likely we are able to offer them
1: the hope of Jesus. And maybe along the way, go a few parties. See, how many, we don't know how many times Matthew and Jesus crossed paths in Capernaum before he offered the invitation.
0: But they crossed paths enough that Matthew was able to trust who Jesus was. Because Matthew had a very solid and stable life. And he was willing to close that all down, leave that behind, and follow Jesus. So what can you do to help others hear about Jesus and learn about his love for for them? To hear about how much he loves us and how he died on the cross to give us forgiveness and grace and hope and heaven. In a performance-driven culture, performance alone drives us away from God. If it's all about my performance, if it's all about me doing good, if it's all about
1: what I can do, that drives us away from Jesus. But Jesus came because it's not about our performance. It's about our connection to
0: him. And as we draw close to him, then he begins to change us. It begins to change our behaviors. It changes our actions. Because without him, our performance counts for nothing. But with him, he changes what we do. So that God's glory goes out from us. See, only when we acknowledge that we need Jesus and serve in response to that
1: does our performance count for anything. So, my challenge for you this week: maybe it's time for us to plan and throw a few parties and invite those who do not know Jesus
0: that we know. It's time for us to plan and throw a party for those in our life who may not know. Jesus. Absolutely. We should invite other Christian friends, other friends of ours, other believers of ours, begin to interact our worlds together. We need to make sure there are more than just, we need to make sure there are more than just a few people who do not know about him. And if you're like, well, Mike, I don't really have any friends who don't go to church. who don't have, uh, uh, who, who meet that criteria. Well, then maybe it's time for us to reach out and meet a few people. Join a gym, join a club. Find a group of people, find a group where people go and and put yourself in positions to meet others.
1: Others who are God's children, who have not yet been reunited with him. Maybe today, maybe today Jesus is calling for you to follow him. Maybe he's meeting you where you are right now. And he's saying, follow me.
0: Accept my offer of grace. Make me your Savior. Help me. Let me begin to work in you so that I can do you, my work through you. Maybe today, you need to make a public statement that, and begin to tell your story. To begin to tell your story to others. Say, hey, you. Want, I, I, I've been living a quiet life. <clears throat> I've been hiding my faith. I've not been uh, broadcasting out there. Maybe I need to find opportunities and find times to,
1: to go public with what I say and with what I believe. Maybe today you need to take another step of faith, another step that would
0: advance your faith to help you fulfill the mission of God in your life. Maybe today you need to talk to someone, maybe there's something from today's service that, that began to spark something you, you need to pray with someone and meet with someone and share with someone Maybe we can begin to resource you and encourage you as you grow in your faith in Jesus. You can talk to me, you can talk to one of our elders, Mark and Jim, you can talk to David and when you saw on stage today. We'd love to be able to encourage you as in, in your walk of faith. Maybe today, maybe you're at home and you're not here to be able to talk with one of us, and you still want to let us know about the decision you want to make. Maybe you're here, and you just want to let us know kind of quietly. You can do so at our, with our, our connection card at slash connect. and there underneath the initial statements, there's some next steps, and you can click the box that is most appropriate
1: the decision you want to make today. See, in a world of darkness, in a world of darkness, we need to be the light. In a world of despair, we need to bring the party. We need to help others see and experience the love of Jesus. So I end today with a question. Who's ready for a party? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you that you met us where we were at. Father, we didn't have to get cleaned up. We didn't have to get our stuff straightened out. You met met us where we were. And as you reached down to save us, Father, would you help us to respond? Father, we, we go
0: and we extend your arm of grace, your arm of forgiveness, your arm
1: of hope. So that, Father, those who live in despair around us may know of your goodness and may know of your grace. And that, Father, as Jesus saved us, would you help us introduce others
0: to know him as Savior as well. Father, I pray that you would help change our mind, change our vision, change our, 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 our scope and, and thinking
1: <clears throat> about how you work and about who you love, and about who you want to reach. And Father, would you help us to introduce others to you? Father, that you do the work, that you do the changing, that you do the growing in them. But Father, help us to make the introduction so that they may know of your goodness and your grace and the hope that we have found. Father, we thank you for this time together. Father, may we um, leave here changed so that we can change the world around us. Father,
0: you're good. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And we're glad that you've taken time out of your Sunday to join us and meet us here. To to, to sing and to be encouraged. I pray that as you go today, that you can walk in, in, in the light of God, that you can
1: share his hope and compassion with others. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.